This podcast is being recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and acknowledge their ongoing connection to land, waters, and culture. Colonization and genocide are still happening today. Sovereignty was never ceded, and this always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Welcome back to Ozpulse Snackpod, the podcast that's kind of like a souffle. Under ideal circumstances, we're pretty good, but usually we collapse under a tiny amount of pressure. That's right. It's the podcast that brings you bite-sized chunks of Australian news and politics with a side helping of crispy memes. We are also the official podcast of the Ozpulse Shit Posting Facebook group. My name is Zach Snack, and with me as always is friend confidant and member of my inner sanctum jenny morrison i mean sorry uh noon that's me <laughs> hey what up zach uh welcome back and welcome back you noon and also welcome back tilda to back, the tilda. patron stable mm-hmm. um good to have you back tilda thank you also to kate who up their pledge on patreon if you listener like what we do you can go over to patreon.com slash Ospol Snackpod, give us a $1 a month, you get a monthly bonus episode, access to the Discord, and other stuff along those lines. Uh, Noon, before we jump into the news... Yeah, I've got a little correction section. Uh, Last week I said forward estimates and the budget goes forward eight years. That's completely wrong. It's three. Don't know why I thought it was eight. It's not. So... I knew, but I just chose not to say anything. Yeah, I figured you do, being in, you know... A budgeting I'm a big master. budget head. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, love the budget. Thanks to Jack budget for that this, budget that. Correction. That's why they call me Budget Zach. Oh God, Jesus Christ. Okay. <laughs> Can I offer you one of these, sir? No, no. Take it away at once. I legitimately thought you were clicking to cut and delete the track and, and start again, <laughs> but it's I should really have. Is funny to. I should. Yeah. I should have. It's a pair of teeths. Yep. It's the stories that we're not really talking about. Or just want to mention briefly, first up, want to shout out our friends over at Loud, Angry, and Not Sorry, feminist podcast run by badass feminists, and this week's episode features a badass feminist in Celeste Little, who is an indigenous activist and unionist and also Greens candidate for the upcoming election. That is going to be a fantastic interview, so highly recommend going and checking that out. And uh, big shout out to the Loud, Angry, and Not oh, Sorry yeah, that's crew a good, for, for lining yeah. up such a heavy hit of guests. Yeah. That's sick. Absolutely. All right. Now, the other story that I want to talk about is a money crime, Zach. The worst crime of all. Um, I love money crimes. Yeah, we all do. I mean, look, it's not a crime. It's more of a money incompetence, um, which, yeah, often funnier. Um, So, yeah, as listeners probably know, the government has temporarily cut the fuel excise by half. So this is a flat tax of about 44 cents per litre, cut to 22 cents per litre, roughly. And that's good for... People who drive. Everyone seems very excited about $1.99 petrol. Um, but it has done... You would be too, new. I would be. I understand that it... If you weren't too busy frequently driving your friends around yep. and unable to look up... For the petrol the prices. Petrol prices. Exactly. You just yeah, have yeah. to fill up and go. Yep. You don't have time to check. You're on the clock. <laughs> Got people to take places. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so obviously it has been good for my bank balance because of the large amount of driving <laughs> I do. But, you know, there's another group of people who drive even more than I do, Zach. No. Yeah, that's right. Prove it. Well, truckers, tr- truck drivers. Uh, that actually doesn't make sense. It doesn't sense. make sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and this cut in the fuel excise has done 
almost nothing for them because basically the policy was sort of waved through with almost no thought whatsoever. Um, that doesn't sound like a <laughs> Liberal Party budget measure. <laughs> no, couldn't be. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but they're strong economic managers. Um, yeah, so yeah. basically the issue... And they stand up for the little guy, <laughs> such as truckers. Yeah. Um, yeah. There aren't many ways the government can directly impact the price of petrol. One of them is that the tax that they voluntarily put on it is pretty easy. So they pulled that lever because it was an easy one. Um, yeah. But it's a complicated thing here. Truck drivers get extra rebates on fuel and also have to pay extra charges for driving a big vehicle, basically, called a road mm -hmm. user charge. Drivers yeah, get rebates on the fuel excise, so they effectively pay 18 cents instead of 44 cents. And then the other 26 cents goes back to the government to pay for the road user charge. So they kind of use the same money to pay for two different things. Okay. The excise got cut by half, which means the rebate also dropped massively, I think maybe to zero or almost zero. Because it was at, like, it's indexed, it's like a percentage yeah. of whatever the excise is. It's not a it, real amount. Yes, I'm pretty sure that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And the road user charge stayed the same. And the maths is kind of boring and complicated and obviously I wouldn't want to say more numbers than I already have gets dangerous but according to the Transport Workers Union truck drivers have got an effective discount of about 4 cents a litre instead of the 22 cents a litre that everyone else driving is getting so that's mm. a saving of about $20 in a $1,000 tank of petrol for a big truck Jesus Christ Yeah, and so the Transport Workers Union are basically like this is not going to help with the supply chain issues that was one of the things that everyone was worried about, fuel being expensive. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, that's likely to keep going on. There's going to be other issues with uh, owner-operators of trucks uh, not being able to pay for their business anymore, and we'll see if our entire national logistics industry collapses. So that'll be cool. I mean, it's been totally solid and stable for the last two to three years, so I can't see why this would have an impact. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's just solid economic yeah. management. The government could always just reduce the cost of fuel as well. Like that would probably make things run a lot smoother. How though? Uh, well, have you heard of the fuel excise? <laughs> oh, that's a great idea. Let's do that. Don't even say another word. Literally not one more. <laughs> yeah. The policy is finished. All right. <laughs> I love budget. <laughs> well, in that case, Zach, I've got good news for you because... We've got next. some more budget? Well, more boring money news that I'm very excited to talk to you about. That's the Fantastic. end of our aperitifs. Now we're moving on. Money news. Moving on to our mains, which we don't have a sting for. But I'm going to tell you about inflation. Ooh. Great. Yeah. Yes. In, uh, you, do, you mean, sorry, do you mean insufflation? I do mean that. Yes, correct. Yeah. So <laughs> if you try to pay attention to the news, you, like me, have probably skipped past a bunch of articles recently with headlines like, Inflation time bomb is ticking for Morrison, or Australians should brace for interest rate rises, or this one from the Sydney Morning Herald, From perfect storm to tsunami, no sector spared as inflation sweeps across economy. <laughs> inflation bomb set to irradiate economy. <laughs> Maximum... Yeah money problems time <laughs> yeah so i want to explain a what is an inflation b what is an interest rate and hopefully c what is going on great yeah you've got 15 minutes to explain 
what an economy is. Yeah, cool. <laughs> so yes, inflation is a very important economic concept. And on one level, I think it's quite intuitive. And for me, at least, it immediately like leaks out of my ears as soon as I have finished thinking that I understand it. So hopefully rereading mm. my notes right now, I will partially understand some of them. Yeah. yeah so that's why we chose drama as our elective. And not economics, <laughs> correct. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, so first up, inflation is when money is worth less than it used to be. Okay. Yep. Second, inflation is when prices go up. <laughs> These are just a few different ways of explaining it that I'm trying to say. I'm with you so far. I I think most people understand the price go up thing. Uh, Ghost drops were five cents when I was a kid. Now they're 20 cents. Yep. Damn. And the the fourth one. And that's in 2022 money. Yeah, for real. Well, exactly. That's what people mean (laughs) when podcasts are like, and that was in 1970s money. And you're like, oh, that crime was even bigger than I thought. Yeah. The past is just like an abstract multiplier for money. Yeah, exactly. I have no idea what inflation has been since then, but damn, like it's It's probably more. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, totally. Well, it's like, you know, uh, Mr. Burns, like, oh, uh, nickel will get you a hot cocoa tram ride and a... Visit to the flicks. So, anyway, yeah. um, there's also hyperinflation, which I find helpful to keep in mind when trying to imagine regular inflation, which is like if you've seen those photos of Germans throwing bales of cash money into the fire. Um, that's because hyperinflation is worth is where money is worth almost nothing, right? It's like, uh, and so it's it costs literally thousands of dollars to buy firewood, so it ends up being cheaper to just burn the money. Burn your money. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is the wheelbarrow full of cash for a loaf of bread. Exactly. And bread. I think yeah. it's important to keep in mind that there are real human impacts of high inflation, like people can't buy food or medicine or entertainment or like whatever else. And um, but. It, like all of the big brain articles that I've been reading are like, ooh, the economy. Um, and like that, I think, is part of why I skip past it because it's like, okay, money problems, but like, what about real life? But it does actually seriously disrupt real life, as you can see in that hyperinflation scenario. Um, but yeah, it does discourage investment, it increases a te- effective tax rates through bracket creep and other things, like causes other problems for like macroeconomic stuff. So it's in, it's caused by a bunch of different things, and it's really kind of disputed about what the fundamental causes are. But basically, it's about the ratio of money to goods, or money to value, or money to GDP, which are different ways of saying roughly the same thing. So whichever one of those you prefer. So basically, Zach, imagine you've got a dollar, I've got a bar of vegan chocolate, it costs one dollar, you buy it, is a one-to-one ratio of like dollars to goods, right? Now imagine you've got $2 and I've got one bar of vegan chocolate. The amount of value has stayed the same as one chocolate bar, but the amount of money has doubled. So there's a two to one ratio of money to goods. And so the price of the chocolate bar is now also effectively $2 because it's like worth 100% of the money in our little economy. Yeah. So inflation is mainly affected by how much money is in circulation in the economy. And there are sort of two types of lever that can be pulled to affect how much money is in the economy. One's called monetary policy, which is printing more money and changing interest rates, which I will come back to. Those are done by the Reserve Bank. Um, They're out of the hands of the government. It's an independent body. That's the RBA Reserve Bank. It's our central bank. If you hear people talking about central banks, that's the Reserve Bank. Yeah. So that's monetary policy. And then on the other hand, fiscal policy, 
it's obvious why they choose such clear and easy to remember Cleared names, right? So, yeah, names, yeah, yeah. Monetary or fiscal, obviously. Yeah. So fiscal policy is basically means how much the government taxes and spends. And of course, that is under the control of the government. And generally, capitalist countries aim to keep inflation at around 2 to 3% because of something, something, unemployment, investment. I'm bad at maths, so I'll take your word for it, article that I read. But the what happened during the pandemic was people were spending a lot less money because we couldn't go out and do stuff. Um, and so we basically kept it in savings, which effectively takes money out of the economy, right? So like there's the keeping the money under your mattress or whatever, which seems like a bad place to hide money to me, but that's fine. Um, it, it's a figurative mattress, I think. Exactly. That's my point. Days. A proverbial mattress. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It might as that money might as well not exist from the point of view of an economist. Um because it's not like out there being spent. Um, so just like money tied up in a house, for example. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So during the pandemic, inflation dropped because there was less money being splooshed around. And to mm-hmm. balance that out, mm-hmm. the government spent an eye-watering amount of money to keep the economy ticking during the pandemic with JobKeeper and massive construction projects and all the other shit that we complained about for the last few years. Um, and that injected a bunch of money to the economy, which was necessary. But now, pandemic restrictions largely being discarded, and the money that was in savings is being spent again. Businesses are expanding and buying stock and hiring people, and unemployment is down, and everyone's spending all of this money that they saved. So that's a whole extra bunch of money that we've saved up over the last two years, also going into circulation on top of the money that the government has pumped in over the last few years. So the ratio of money to value has gone way up in the last couple of months. So much higher inflation that we wanted. So yeah, yeah. prices of capsicums going the fuck up. Right. And in the lead up to the budget, a lot of economists and big brain newspapers like the Financial Review are being like, the budget needs to be restrained to prevent the inflation issues. And um, of course, the government was trying to win an election. So they did exactly the opposite of that and handed mm-hmm. out a bunch more money, which also increases inflation. And then also this is the war in Ukraine, which is blah, 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 supply chain issues, petrol prices going up, which is more inflation. So what could the government do? They could take government out of the, uh, take money out of the economy so they could do that fiscally by not spending as much, or which was off the cards this year because our government is horribly irresponsible. Or they could do it by taxing more, which was off the cards because our government's Horribly irresponsible. irresponsible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Time to see a pattern. All right. So they've abdicated all responsibility for it. So it's up to the Reserve Bank of Australia, who controls monetary policy, to actually do something. So they have stopped putting new money into the economy as of February. Um, Basically, there's a really silly way of doing that called buying bonds. And they've been doing that for the last couple of years to help the government during the pandemic. And now they're like, not doing that anymore. So that's one lever that the RBA controls being pulled or unpulled or whatever. The other one that they can do is interest rates. So we lead to question B. What is an interest rate? rate? Yeah, yeah. So interest rates uh, in this context are the fees that banks charge each other for short-term loans, um, uh, basically overnight loans, and that's controlled or influenced by the Reserve Bank's cash rate, which is very, very low at the moment. It's below 1%. It's super cheap to borrow money. And that's also for, like, if you or I wanted to get a loan, not that I could, I don't know about you, but, you know, yeah. But uh, we would also be getting a discount on our loans, even though we're not getting it at quite the same rate that the banks charge each other because they're, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so 
it's cheap to borrow money, which means people will borrow money to invest because they have an opportunity to make a lot of profit relative to how much interest they're paying. So the loan sort of pays for itself and then also profit. So when the RBA cuts interest rates, that incentivizes people to put more money into the economy, right, by borrowing and investing. So that increases inflation. So after this very long time of record low interest rates, the RBA is very strongly hinting that they will quite soon increase interest rates, which will make borrowing less appealing, which will make people invest less, which will make inflation go down, hopefully. So line line go down is the plan. Yeah, but it, the theory. it also discourages investments and it also makes loans more expensive, which means that people with variable interest rate mortgages, especially, and other loans will suddenly be paying way more. Um, and that's something that I've seen a few articles about just in the last day or two, basically being like, check if you've paid off enough of your mortgage that you're not going to get screwed by this. Yeah, so we have some of the like, what, household debt in this country is something like double what people's like actual expendable income is. Right, but it's also gone down dramatically over the pandemic. And the average, I didn't put this in because, you know, our listeners tend to be all over the property investment numbers. They don't come here for that. They come here for the <laughs> chats, you know, they, the podcast for property investment aficionados, but the average ownership of people over their own homes that they have mortgaged has gone up quite a lot over the pandemic. And so that was actually something that informed the RBA's decision to heavily hint that they're about to raise interest rates because they were like, we think that it won't screw over too many people. It will screw over some people. Um, so, yeah. But that's true of any decision that gets made like this, like higher or lower interest rates is always bad for people with no money. Um, yeah. Cool. Kind of weird, huh? Yeah. So just to finish up very briefly, see what's everyone talking about. Uh, we have an irresponsible government who couldn't do a good budget because they want to win an election. The end. Hey, here we go. <laughs> budget analysis. Yeah. There you go. Done and dusted so for another year. Now you know about inflation. And now that you know about it, don't do it. No more. Yeah, we, we, I don't think we need any more of that. Society has progressed past the need for inflation. I think we can all agree about that. Shall we move on? Please. Positivity Corner. Kind of. Cool. Kind of. Like always. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the positive part of the corner is that 20 refugees have been released from immigration detention. Um, eight of those... People were being held at the Park Hotel prison in Melbourne. And so now mm -hmm. with their release, no refugees are being imprisoned there anymore. That's good. That's a good thing. That's good. Uh, six refugees were also released from the Brisbane Immigration Transit Authority and another six uh, from like detention prisons across the country. Mm -hmm. So yeah, obviously, first thing to say is that's great. Fantastic that these people are no longer being imprisoned for yes. literally no fucking reason except for, you know, uh, fascist cruelty. Like purposeful cruelty yeah. yeah uh second thing to say is oh great yep the government could have done this literally at any time mm -hmm. uh, uh -huh. yeah they could yeah and the fact that this is happening right before an election is so flagrant that it's in the first paragraph of like every news outlets um article about this they're just like right. yeah so this is obviously an election thing which is just really upsetting and grim yeah um, it tells you a lot about our border policies um, 
also important to mention there are still 10 people who were brought to Australia under Medivac um, mm-hmm. who are still being imprisoned and there's no indication of when they'll be released. Mm-hmm. You know, likewise, there was no kind of warning or process in terms of, or like, you know, publicly uh, viewable process in terms of how these, these refugees were released. Like, you know, we know that this sort of totally arbitrary and, and opaque way that the Department of Home right. Affairs like handles this stuff is... It's an integral part of the system of torture, right? That it's completely arbitrary from the point of view yeah. of the people going through it. Yeah. yeah. And so, these, yeah, they're, they're sort of released with no warning and not really given a reason why either. Um, you know, it's amazing that the government doesn't even have to, like, tell anybody anything about this outside of their own departments. Yeah. So what ha- did they just, like, take them out of the hotel and, like shut the door behind them and leave them on Park Street? Like, I what? think that that's not... Maybe that's not quite literally exactly true, but it may as well effectively be true. Like, it's right. unclear whether or not they're going to be given visas at this stage. Like, okay. refugee advocates actually don't know. Um, you know, they're currently on these visas that mean they can't study, but they can work and pay taxes. So that's great. Oh, good. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's still there's still a lot of uncertainty around it. Um, and yeah, you know, of course, being imprisoned for years and years is going to cause major lasting trauma for these people. Right, right. I've got a quote here from an age, uh, an article in the age about this. They're quoting Mehdi Ali, who was imprisoned in the, in the Park Hotel. He said, I was a child. I ended up in jail and I was in jail for nine years. Some people are saying you've arrived in the US. Be happy. But it's more complicated than that. It's not a Hollywood movie. Mm. Nine years are gone and now I'm free. Then why? Why? I had to wait for nine years for what crime? Yeah. Um, yep. Like, you know, it's just absolutely unconscionable that this happened. But, you know, I think we can say that it's positive that this for particular sure. stage of the fascist nightmare that these people have been put through is over. Um, yep. You know, and I think that we can kind of, you know, that, that, like, it's, I, it, I don't think the government could deny that the huge amount of pressure that has been put on them by activists around this issue mm-hmm. is like a major um, component of why these releases are happening. It's totally. made, you know, like the reason that they're releasing them on the, le- on the eve of an election is that it's not something that they want to be talking about or be trying to mm-hmm, defend mm-hmm. come election time. And the reason is that public opinion has kind of shifted against these brutal fascist tactics yeah. in a real way, especially around the Park Hotel. I mean, you know, not only the protests outside every day, but the whole sorted fucking Novak Djokovic thing as well. Right, like, you right. Know, even though it was sort of horrible, I guess, like a, a horrible Seeing the comparison. difference in power. Yeah, and that it, like it took like a sports guy to bring attention to this, you know, these horrible um, policies. But, you know, it happened and shine, did shine a spotlight on it. And, you know, I think... You know, important to take the small wins for sure <laughs> where, where they happen on issues yep. like this right yeah thanks for giving us that mostly good news sec um next up uh we've got our first Nations story we spoke last time about the horrible death of an indigenous man in hakia prison and two indigenous green senators lydia thorpe and dorinda cox went to hakia prison for a meeting with the prison superintendent to talk about what had gone on and they say that they made an appointment, but when they arrived at the prison, they were told to leave. And when they said, no, we have an appointment, the senators claimed that the police were then called in to escort them out of the prison. Wow. What the fuck? Yeah. So this is 
disputed by the prison, who said that... Oh, the, no kidding. Yeah, yeah, for real. They say that the senators didn't make an appointment, and also that there's a department policy that members of parliament can't just rock up to prisons. Um, that there's like Especially a special procedure. Especially if they have an appointment. <laughs> Fucking right. <laughs> um, yeah. So that it's also disputed by the police, who say that they were there for, quote, protest activity by the dead man's mother but according to nit the mother and two of her daughters and the dead man's partner were quote waiting outside the prison um but of course the green senders say that the police came in and like like shoved them out the door basically mm. um i feel like i'm gonna trust the very trustworthy police and prison officials on this yeah what about you what, what would the west australia prisons department have to hide in this situation yeah <laughs> So this is a quote from NIT. Uh, Senator Thorpe said the senators had been lied to. We went through the process and his secretary told us, come and meet. And then we arrived and he told us that he didn't want to meet us anymore. We respectfully asked to meet the superintendent to get answers to questions his mother had been asking. That young man came out in a body bag and he should have come out to meet his family. No justice, no peace. And we had the police called on us to get us to leave the prison. Two right. black senators. That's just an absolute insult. That's fucking outrageous yeah i mean and, these people run these little like racist fiefdoms where they can just yeah. do whatever the fuck they want yep. and you know like it the the inherent criminality of black people is just kind of taken as red right, right. even fucking senators right. like yeah and dorinda cox said one of the guards was filming me on his own mobile phone not a body-worn camera i asked why was i being recorded when that cell wasn't being recorded when a young man died then he stopped filming and the man's mother, Laura Cowan, said, I asked the superintendent on March 12th to keep my son safe. He didn't return my calls. They've got no shame. I rang the gate. I rang the Aboriginal Visitor Service. They said they'd keep my son safe. I'm here now planning my son's funeral, and it's killing me. It's killing my family. Yeah. And like you said, Zach, I'm just very unabashedly believing the Indigenous women ahead of the West Australian prisons department. And like the, the total disregard, not only for the life and safety of like, their inmates who are like at least theoretically under their duty of care or whatever but also the total disregard for like the basic dignity and respect of people who are trying to have a conversation about what happened of course and, and like, it's like that you know they're part of the same continuum of right? course yeah you yeah, yeah. You, like you, you, like you don't so. you don't have one without the other <laughs> yeah yeah and, but it's it's the kind of it just sort of lays bare the fact that you know a death or an incident, you know, a racist incident, it doesn't happen, you know, and then just kind of the effect doesn't dissipate. It's this right. ongoing rolling, you know, Still in inflicting of trauma. You know, yeah. Yeah. It just, yeah. 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 And yeah, just wanted to end with, to repeat that line from Lydia Thorpe, you know, no justice, no peace. And we had the police called on us to get us to leave the prison. Two black senators. That is an absolute insult. Yep. Terrible. Absolutely terrible stuff. Uh, speaking of which, Fashy Australia. Uh, yeah, the hits just keep coming <laughs> this week, don't they? Um, uh huh. So I'm going to talk a little bit about United Australia Party uh, because who else would be featuring in Fashy Australia? Mm -hmm. And uh, before I dive in, I want to send a big shout out to Tom Tanneke, whose work I'm relying heavily on for this story, as seems to happen often. Um, so, you know, if you're not following Tom uh, on YouTube and his work over at Independent Australia, yep. can't recommend it highly enough. Covers these guys really well, knows front to back 
highly entertaining. Exactly. Good shit. Um, so on budget day, the United Australia Party had an event on the lawns outside Parliament House in Canberra. They set up a bunch of giant prop $100 bills because of, you know, debts being passed on to your grandkids. And Not my grandkids. Yeah. They're personally liable for government debt. Exactly. Um, Craig Kelly gave a speech at this rally. Yep. Uh, presumably it sucked and was boring. Mm-hmm. I didn't listen. Malcolm Roberts and George Christensen were also there. Fuck those guys. Yep. But more importantly, before Craig Kelly spoke on the same stage, another speech was given. This was by a guy called Mark McMurtry, who people might remember as, be- as the cooker who established the original sovereigns, sovereign citizen like cookie uh-huh. unit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the uh, like proactively appropriating indigenous like culture guys, right? Yes, and also the burning down of old Parliament House. <laughs> of course, of course, of that thing. Guys, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, they got a few sort of classics under hits. the belt. Yeah, yeah. Here's another. <laughs> Yeah, here's another one. I'm going to play a short clip of Mark McMurtry's speech. I'm going to give a content warning here for Uh anti-Semitism. Skip ahead 30 seconds if you'd rather not. And I notice there's a lot of people here today wandering around with the red and the blue flags. That piece of shit that's in the corner of that flag is the Union Jack, the Union of Jacob. It represents three, or it is three, Hebrew tribal flags. And if you're worried about standing under the Jews and what they represent, that's what you're standing under when you carry that flag. Okay? Uh, applause begins. Yes. I'm going to go ahead and take a wild guess here and say that Mark Murtry is wrong about the Union Jack being yeah. a secret Jewish symbol. Yeah, I reckon I could agree with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, okay. I'm glad that we're on the same page with that, Noon. Um, so, yeah, this, like, flagrant... Right out in the open, anti-Semitism yeah. somehow didn't manage to get a whole lot of coverage uh, in the mainstream media, despite Tom Tanaki's valiant efforts, who's been covering it diligently. Clive Palmer mm-hmm. did get asked about it at a press conference later by so none other Kelly than... Indirectly. Sorry? So did Kelly indirectly, but I'm sorry, we'll get there. Sorry, go <laughs> yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, Kelly did. Yeah, yeah. I think you might hear him yell out in the clip I'm about to play. Uh, yeah, and he got asked about it at this press conference by none other than longtime OzPol shitposting member, James Elton Pym. Now, Jim, we've had our differences in the past. I can say with 100% certainty you're not listening to this, uh, but I will also say to you, respect. Good job. I, I think he might. Listen, I'm not 100%. Anyway, nah, good, good job. He's the political editor of 7.30. Like, he's got actual, he's got stuff to do. Uh, such like as... shit post with us? I mean, anyway, it's fine. Go uh, on. No, I mean, complain yeah. about people complaining about the ABC. It's, it, look, this is not what I wanted to get into. <laughs> James, you did he's, a good job. Let's, let's listen to job. James doing let's a good job. Let's play a clip of James doing a good job. There was another speaker named Mark McMurtry mm-hmm. who made a number of claims. He said that the Union Jack was a secret Jewish symbol and that by standing under it, Australians were effectively standing under the Jews, I'm quoting here, <laughs> and, uh, and what they represent. Now, um, well, well, I don't think Craig that was Kelly... our, our party. It was, it was a general rally on there as well, wasn't it, Craig? That wasn't our party rally. It wasn't our party truck. Um, Craig Kelly was invited to speak there, like other speakers were for other different organisations. And we just happened to be there with the um, trillion dollar of debt, which we were complaining <laughs> about. That was our main point. And I, I know Craig wouldn't have said something like that. Is that right, Craig? <laughs> I think I think I'm right. I was home in bed asleep, so but I, yeah, I'm sure that's the case. 
And you have to condemn them. So anyone that says something like that, I just want to make it clear that I personally condemn, and I'm sure our whole party condemns. I'm sure you'd condemn that too when you create, right? So there's no question that we're associated with anything like that. Have you taken any steps as a party to try to make sure that sort of thing doesn't happen again? Yeah, we have. We've tried to make sure that we... Uh, I mean, this was something that happened off the cuff at five in the morning. Uh, but it, when we normally ask to speak at rallies and things like that, we check who's organised them. We try to check who the other speakers are. And sometimes people lie to you, but not normally, right? Um, so I think that, you know, that's all we can do. Yeah, he really kind of... It's sort of a little Freudian slip at the end that sometimes people try to lie to you. Just, like, the laziness of Clive Palmer's level of political bullshitting, yeah. you know? It's like he's really not trying very hard at all. <laughs> and he can just fucking get away with it. It's yep. quite outrageous. Let's quickly just run through a few of those excuses yeah. there. So, okay, one, he said that it was a general rally. It wasn't a UAP rally. Well, yes, it was. Yes, it was. <laughs> Greg <laughs> Kelly was there. They spent fuck knows how much money setting up prop $100 bills. We just happened to be there with a trillion dollar props. There's videos of like dozens of UAP volunteers in UAP t-shirts setting up the props. There's UAP branded posters advertising the rally. Yes, it was your rally, you fucking liar. Then he said something about it being happening off the cuff at 5 a.m. Aside from the fact that the footage is clearly shot in the middle of the day, Craig Kelly didn't speak until after midday, and Mark McMurtry spoke before him. So it's like, what the fuck are you talking about? He wouldn't know, though, because... He as was you asleep. might recall, he was asleep. There, right. He's not responsible for anything Therefore, that happens while nothing. he's asleep. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. Yeah. That's that's called that's the Clive Palmer guarantee. Get out happens of jail, while I'm free sleeping. Card. I'm no, yeah, exactly. I'm not liable. This <laughs> that's why they can't catch him. Um, and then he, he goes on to say, "Well, you know, slept in Parliament all the time as well." His <laughs> business. Oh, reasons. I slept through that vote. Yeah. Um, I raised my hand in my sleep to vote for that Nazi motion. Yeah, we condemn it. We have to condemn these comments. Do yep. you, Clive? Because as Tom has exhaustively documented in his piece on this, which I will link in the episode description, UAP candidates somehow keep ending up with Nazi fucking so campaign advisors and security guards. Curious. So yeah. I'm not sure the that you do condemn it, Clive. I just like the bit where he's like, uh, I would certainly never say something like that, and uh, neither would Craig. Uh, right, Craig. <laughs> uh, Craig says, rah, 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 and he's like, yeah, well, exactly. Blah blah blah. Yeah, fucking bullshit. Yeah, this but is just the, the 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 like realization that is like, wait, you you wouldn't say that, would well, you? No, and of I course he would. But having like, watched the clip, well, he would. I, well, having watched the clip a few times, it's that he's like asking Clive, like, did I hit all of our talking points when it comes to denying this? You know, mentioning that the rally happened at X time, we didn't organize it, blah, blah, blah. Right. Uh, but the way, but it does really sound like his asking, Craig, wait, you didn't say this anti <laughs> shit, did you? Um, which, you know, I guess he is still technically asking that question. So, yeah, you know, this is just a reminder that hardcore racism and other mm -hmm. forms of right wing extremism are just acceptable fucking mainstream politics in this country. Yeah. Fashy Australia. Uh, brief positive addendum to this story. Craig Kelly got egged this week in nice. Melbourne. Yeah. Uh, fantastic. The person yelled at him that he was an anti-Semite and a Nazi lover, mm. which is pretty fucking hard to deny, isn't it, Craig? 
Because you just had a fucking anti-Semite at your rally, didn't you, Craig? You fucking egg-faced Nazi-loving cunt. Alright, that's probably time now to move on. Shit post of the week. Yeah, well, speaking of y- yelling, um, <laughs> this week's shit post of the week is going out to everyone who has piled shit on the Prime Minister in public this week. Um, <laughs> we salute you. Yeah. So there's, we've got a few, um, but uh, I want to start off with this uh, screenshot you grabbed of the Daily Telegraph, Zach, which says, Scott Morrison will be buoyed by the reception he recently received in the Hunter Valley, with locals generally positive during a visit to an Edgeworth hotel, <laughs> suggesting he can still pass the pub test. <laughs> Z- Zach's laughing at the sheer audacity of this <sighs> way of describing what happened. So this is... That's- the- amazing just amazing you know yeah. it's what i'm talking about with like the like the low effort involved you know, just like to, to like steer political discourse one way or the other in this country you know this you was just good actually lie yeah you could just say complete <laughs> bullshit and nothing will happen yep maybe we should start a podcast or something that's I don't know. a great yeah. idea yeah so that is the daily telegraph's version of uh, Scott Morrison was extensively yelled at by an old man and absolutely destroyed by a young indigenous woman. Yeah, so uh, it seems like the old man, name of Roy, may be unwell or something, but he, in my opinion, quite eloquently told the Prime Minister, you can have a million dollar house, you can have 250000 in the bank, you can have negative gearing and franking credits, but a disability pensioner can't have any income? You better fucking do something. I'm sick of your bullshit. And then when he said the F word, everyone in the crowd started like taking photos and the advisors hustled him away. Like, you can't swear near a man in a suit. But at the same pub visit to the Edgeworth Hotel, a Twitter user at Hunting for Wolves, who's a Camilleroy woman, got a selfie with the Prime Minister while she said, Congratulations on being the worst Prime Minister we've ever had. Um, really? great bit of footage just beautiful yeah apparently she asked him for a selfie and then didn't tell him that she was like recording footage i think uh, that was wise (laughs) i agree yeah and he sort of like results speak for themselves turns away and is like thank you Uh, (laughs) pretty funny just on autopilot while in shock of being wrecked yeah so there's been a lot of good posts along the lines of look least if you slow it down you can pinpoint the exact second that his heart breaks which you know good job everybody in more substantial but less fun news. Uh, the New South Wales Liberals are continuing to backstab themselves with vim and enthusiasm. Uh, so you know <laughs> they get, we, they're going full banana gym on each other. They are. So uh, I talked about last week Conchetta Faravanti Wells on her blast on Scott Morrison in the Senate, uh, and she mentioned something there about Scott Morrison, something something statutory declarations, Scott Morrison being racist, and slowly the story's been coming out over the week. Basically, there are accusations that Morrison won the pre-selection in 2007 when he got into Parliament for the first time by telling members not to vote for the alternative candidate or one of the alternative candidates, Michael Toke, on the basis that Toke was Lebanese and that the Cronulla riots had just happened and blah, 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 racism. So, Is it not true that Toke won the pre-selection like, by a fucking landslide, like 90 votes to 8 or something, he, and he, then Morrison backgrounded him? Do I have that yes. wrong? Yes. Yeah, that is pretty much right. Yeah, so... Okay. <laughs> um, Marie Ficara in the Saturday paper this week, she was a former Liberal MP for New South Wales, said it was the ugliest pre-selection I've ever seen in over 40 years in the party, which is pretty impressive. So basically, Toke was recruited by Alex Hawke to recruit members for their faction, and Toke thought that he was going to get the seat, and then he ran for pre-selection, and he did win the pre-selection, and then 
Literally the next day, a huge smear campaign was run against him saying he was corrupt. He had illegally branch stacked when it seems like he had only legally branched stacked. That he had falsified his military service. That he was a criminal who got stabbed in a bar fight. And that he was a Muslim. But he's a Mennonite Christian. Well, uh, at least a few of those things <laughs> are actually good. But that's fine. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah, true. <laughs> but this is the Liberal Party. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, and then Toke was called into a meeting with a bunch of Liberal Party bigwigs who made him sign something withdrawing his candidacy in exchange for being declared a fit and proper person by the party. Um, seems like a bad deal, but anyway. Um, yeah. And so he and someone else signed stat decks in 2016, basically being like, yes, yeah, Scott Morrison said not to vote for me because I'm Lemonese. Um, yeah. Not good. Yeah. As far as, like, you know, the people, like, backgrounding Morrison to the press at the moment, this is a pretty fucking rock-solid one. Like, there's signed statements from years ago where right. people are, like, legally declaring Scott Morrison did racist shit. So, which is pretty, like, you know, good job. <laughs> like, weirdly, this has come up a few times, there's drama about it. At the time in 2007. Yeah, and then in it's never quite got traction, yeah. These stat decks were signed about it for reasons that I couldn't find out from reading articles, but presumably there was mm. some internal Liberal Party complaint process. But That's what I would assume, yeah. Since then, he has broken his 15-year silence or whatever um, to tell someone, like, yeah, he did say that. Um, yeah. The thing that I keep coming back to about Morrison is that, like... And we've talked, we've kind of talked about this before, but it's kind of incredible the degree to which he's completely devoid of any fucking clout in the Liberal Party anymore. Like he's, and it, it all comes down to, it's not he's, factional stuff, it's not policy discussions. He is personally basically the biggest piece of shit that anybody in the Liberal Party has ever worked with. It's and true. so many people keep saying that. They're just like, this guy unbelievably fucking sucks so much. They're literally sabotaging their own chances of Look, winning an election because they fucking hate this guy on a personal level so much. Oh, I mean. I think <laughs> to be question mark fair, I'm not sure that's what this is being, but I think that also happened towards the end of both Tony Abbott and Malcolm Turnbull's prime ministership. And Malcolm Turnbull, actually, before he started, people were like, this guy is a smarmy lying piece of shit and I'm not going to spend one more minute in a fucking room with him and I'm never going to vote for anything he says. Fuck him. So, I, look, it's true. I guess that it, is more it, it of happened. a policy thing, but like... It's, well, I feel there's, there was policy stuff mixed in with that, but yep. also the level of animosity was nowhere near this bad. And that's what I'm saying with, like... It, it, people going to the press and being like, I don't like Prime Minister for X reason, is like, yeah, okay, you see that happen all the time. People showing up with signed documents. I have fucking legal evidence of him being a racist piece of shit. Yeah. I'm saying they're on another level. Like, yep. that's, they're that's coming, true. True. Yeah. yeah. They're coming, but they're absolutely bringing their A game yep. when it comes to backstab. Well, another one uh, that happened this week that, in my opinion, is more fun. Um, it, Catherine, well, also kind of more sad. Classic Australian politics. <laughs> Catherine Cusack uh, is a New South Wales state upper house member for the Liberal Party, and she published an opinion piece in The Guardian, which you know it's bad when it's in The Guardian from a Liberal MP, um, and it was titled, 
I'm a liberal MP and I cannot vote for the re-election of a Scott Morrison government. Lamau. Yeah. So she complains about <laughs> machinations and talks about how the Liberal Party was so cool before Scott Morrison ruined it. But she's resigning <laughs> over something that I actually think is good, um, which is uh, bullshit with disaster fund allocations being right. along party lines after the flood. So she said this in her op-ed. Uh, opinion piece, I should say. So Scott Morrison's brazen attempt to fund fl- uh, to fund flood victims in a national seat and exclude flood victims in a Labour seat that I happen to live in was just too much. I cannot deny that we're all overwrought here, witnessing so much suffering. My bullshit tolerance levels are at zero. So to see the self-serving, ruthless bullying that has increased inside the Liberal Party spill over into public policy and the poorest, most vulnerable Australians who lost everything in the floods are the targets of this outrageous abuse of morality and power is simply intolerable. Um, which, again, there's just like a little sprinkle of, but the Liberal Party was cool before. We used to do good things for people. We yeah. haven't been evil since we were founded. Um, and it, but... it's always it's always like, it was fine when they were ruthlessly ripping apart people's livelihoods and well-being, but then they on did the basis it to of me. Being poor, but on the basis of geography? <laughs> I'm not come, standing for that. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Which, like, yeah, you know. Swings and roundabouts. Whatever, whatever fucking gets you over the line, I yep. guess. Yep. You know, I'm not going to applaud this, but I am going to be like, lol. Aha. Yes. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. 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 So, in conclusion, uh, Scott Morrison sucks a whole bunch. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Breaking the big stories here on Oswald Snackbud. <laughs> now it's time for... It was the best of takes. It was the blurst of takes. You stupid monkey. <laughs> okay, so strap in for a little bit of a long one here. I'm choosing to go into a bit of detail on this story because uh, I just needed to for my own, you know, when I was writing it, that's just what happened. Um, Chat dad, get that lawnmower going. Yeah, here we go. All right. Um, Noon, I mentioned to you before the show, I've been listening to a lot of a podcast called Maintenance Phase lately, yeah. which is... Pretty good podcast. You mean that podcast I recommended to you? Yeah, it's the one. I yeah. think you should check it out, listener. It's about yeah. diet culture and how diet culture fucking sucks. Yeah. Uh, the episodes are like one person researches, the other person listens, and like you know, you know, bounces off with jokes and stuff. And they do this thing where the person who did the research will like toss the quotes in the piece to the other person to kind of split up the talking load a mm-hmm, little bit. So mm-hmm. I'm going to throw to you a few times. In this segment, noon, Sweet. just uh, just get ready to read some quotes. I bet I'm going to be saying cool things. Oh yeah, so many cool things. Um, okay, so there's kind of been this like ongoing scandal in the Victorian Greens over the past week or two, which mm-hmm. we didn't talk about last week, uh, but has uh, yeah continued Extended. to kind of develop. Um, yeah, and I thought it was worth going into a little bit of detail about what's happening. So. Rohan Leppert is a Greens councillor on Melbourne City Council. He's been on council for about 10 years. His big thing is like sustainable planning, amongst other stuff. The story is that last week, some comments that he made on Facebook were screen capped and circulated. Noon, here's your first quote. One reason I approach gender clinics with scepticism is a friend who felt they managed to escape a transition pathway they had commenced, and many others in my age bracket who experienced gender dysphoria when puberty hit before discovering that they were lesbians much later, who all genuinely worry that girls in a similar situation today are being told they are trans. 
Okay. Women are identifying out of lesbianism in significant numbers, while trans women are identifying in, and there are consequences for that. I have not argued for denying medical treatment to all children. My concerns are with an affirmation-only approach and criminalizing the alternatives. So. Okay. As with a lot of transphobic talking points, like, your average punter might not necessarily see it first blush like what's particularly fucked up about this statement sure these statements especially because it's all phrased in this like those are just a couple of samples of these these I'm comments being skeptical i haven't exactly it's a lot of this, just asking just... questions yeah yeah just yeah. asking questions kind of energy yeah yeah but if you know what dog whistles to look out for and like you understand transphobic lines of mm-hmm. argument and attack then this stuff looks really fucking bad so mm-hmm. let's break it down a little bit and i want to before i dive in here send a very large hat tip to Moby Dick Girl on Twitter, who has a um, great handle. Uh, she's put together some incredible threads on this over on Twitter, which I'm going to be like leaning on her analysis really heavily during this segment. So I'm going to link those threads in the description of the episode and can't recommend checking them out highly enough. Um, her display name on Twitter is Moby Dick Girl, but her at is um, epistemophagy. I'm pretty sure it's like the... Eating, eating of knowledge yeah totally yeah. that's exactly what i was gonna say yeah yeah um the reason i know what the suffix phagy means yeah is remember when the pope compared fake news to eating shit and he said people on social media are just like coprophagics right that's <laughs> yeah so funny. thanks pope yeah um <laughs> good one the pope shout yeah. outs pope francis the current yeah so anyway speaking of um shit takes uh let's talk about these comments from rowan levitt so First off, this idea of, you know, he says he had a friend who managed to escape a transition pathway, mm-hmm. right? This idea of escaping transition, like it's this thing that people are getting forced into. <sighs> There's a lot you could say about this, but I think, you know, a relevant thing to mention is like the best stats that we have on like how many people regret transitioning put mm-hmm. it really really low on the scale for medical procedures right there's a there's a regret rate of about 1.4 percent compared to 14.4 percent which is just generally across all surgeries wow people so regret. it's like uh 10 percent of how much like 10% People of the regret rate of just, surgeries in general. Yeah, shouldn't right. have got that hip replacement. It's probably a bad example, but you see what I mean. Totally, yeah. Um, yeah. About 0.5% of people who transition detransition, mm-hmm. and that's overwhelmingly not because they have doubts about their gender, but because of the prejudice and violence they, right, play, they right, face right. living life as a trans person. Yeah. You know, yes, this is all <laughs> known, right? There's also this um, kind of through line through these comments about girls being told they are trans right as opposed to being no you're lesbian which is this very kind of moral panicky attitude about like trans people are targeting vulnerable kids you know impressionable children are being told they are trans which Uh is just really fucking gross and, and i think very clearly it's a very clear demonstration of how transphobic rhetoric is just like the homophobia playbook with a fresh coat of right, paint right 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 you know they're coming they're after your children kids gay yeah yeah, yeah. and, and similarly this thing about like women identifying out of lesbianism which aside from having real like great replacement vibes 
very clearly there's this implication that trans women aren't real women. You right. know, totally. They're coming yeah. in I and mean, they're taking over lesbianism. That's a <laughs> like, fundamental just... premise of all of these issues. Yeah, yeah, there's this scary other coming in and invading and blah blah blah. Yeah, you know, it's pretty transphobia 101, but he's just asking questions. Yeah. Uh, and the final uh, point I wanted to touch on here. Uh, where he talks about having, quote, concerns with an affirmation-only approach. Sure. I'm going to quote directly from uh, Moby Dick Girl's thread. <laughs> it's going to be funny every time because her thread is just that good. Uh, Noon, do you want to take this quote? The gender affirmative model is as follows. When a patient says, I'm trans or I'm a girl or a woman or a boy or a man or I'm non-binary, a doctor's response is to believe them and to treat them as such until advised otherwise. This is best practice. The alternative to the gender affirmative model is the gender reparative model, which conceives of diverse genders as the product of mental illness and is best being engaged with through change and repair, hence the name. Gender reparative therapy is conversion therapy. There is no alternative model. Fundamentally, the gender affirmative and gender reparative models are different answers to the same yes-no question. Do you believe your patients about what's happening to them? Affirmative therapy says yes. Reparative therapy says no. It's... I, yeah, like, I mean, I don't have anything to add to that at all, right? Yeah. That's just, you know, yep. her analysis is just, it's extremely concise and makes it very clear that what Rowan Leppard is saying there is that I just have a problem with always taking the approach that believes people and helps them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, you might not at first blush, you'd be like, oh, okay, well, what are the alternatives or whatever? Well, now it's been broken down and now we know. Right? The alternatives are to not believe and Not believe not and harm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I prefer the other way. It seems better to me. Whatever. Mm -hmm. um, so hopefully that's like fairly clear on why those comments of Leppets that got circulated with transphobic, right? Over following days, more evidence popped up of him holding transphobic views, some of which was kind of like indirect, but some of it, some of which was like quite clearly fucked from my perspective. Uh -huh. For example, sure. he liked a Facebook post from Melbourne Uni's foremost hateful transphobe, Holly Lawford-Smith. She posted a photo of the trans flag being, like, painted on uh, the ground at Melbourne University campus, and she, like, just put vomiting emojis above it. And what then cool Rohan Leppard was like, like? Guy. Which is, like, that's not... you. I don't really know... There's no know. just asking questions there. It's, I hate these people and they <laughs> disgust me, right? Like Likes of bookmarks in private groups, maybe. Like, I, <laughs> I don't know. Um, I think he said, oh, uh, yeah, I don't really have an excuse for that one. My bad. So, yeah, his response then just kind of made everything worse. He made what I thought were, like, some fair points about uh, the fact that he had supported pro-trans initiatives while on council. Sure. Then he just kind of went on to, like, to refuse to apologize any of the stuff that he'd said, didn't meaningfully engage with any kind of criticism, and just said, yeah, I'm just asking questions. I'm just having mm -hmm, a debate. Mm -hmm. You know, a big double down and fuck you, essentially. Uh, and to quote uh, another person with a great username on, on Twitter, Fourier Trans Girl, <laughs> uh, tweeted, my existence is not a threat to lesbians and my access to healthcare is not up for fucking debate. So, yeah. Yeah. Yep. You know, this, this just really could have been so easily avoided with like, sorry that I made those ill-informed bigoted comments i will listen to trans people and learn but he yep. just you know i the double down really seems to point to like the transphobia being actually like a fairly deeply held thing Core, for this or like guy. something that he yeah. really is on about at the moment yeah yeah so 
important context for this is that the Victorian Greens do have a long history of problems with transphobia, you know, like high up um, in the party. We talked about this back in episode eight of Us Pulse Snack Pod. Nice. Uh, back Good in job. fucking 2019. Yeah. yeah. Um, possibly the most notable high profile turf um, in the Greens was uh, someone called Nina Valens, mm-hmm. who we've mentioned a few times on the show. Uh, she she like hosted transphobic events on the you know University of Melbourne campus, uh, and also sorry not sorry to keep quoting Moby Dick girl, but I could not not quote her with uh, this turn of phrase. Do you want to take that quote? In 2019, Nina Valens and another member of the state executive, Linda Gale, circulated a letter containing weapons grade anti-trans fire starting of the highest order. Weapons grade anti-trans fire starting. That one's going to stay with me. Uh, that lesser in question, essentially, you know, it, again, we're talking transphobia 101. It said trans women are men and other familiar transphobic talking points about, like, the category of woman being destroyed, etc., etc. Mm-hmm. Now, Valens, you know, was doing very publicly transphobic stuff whilst being a member of the state executive of the Victoria Greens for a while, but did eventually end up getting suspended from the party, I believe has now quit after that well good which is good linda gale the other turf mentioned there is still however on the state executive also is working now at the national tertiary education union and listeners might remember she popped up when we were talking about the nteu doing fucked transphobic stuff at the end of last year right and she also happened to give the single biggest donation to rohan leppard's election campaign in 2018 so that's like interesting I am not, you know, I'm not a Victorian Greens insider. This, having said that, this definitely makes it look like there's a clique of turfs high up in the party and Rohan... each other along this axis. Yeah. yeah, you know, I mean, I don't know what Rohan... Like, this is four years ago, their relationship may have changed. Sure. Well, no. It doesn't look good for him. Uh, then before I, I start to talk about how the Greens themselves have kind of responded to this situation, I just wanted to give a special whatever the opposite of a shout out is to The Age yeah. for publishing two fucking terrible articles yep. about this. First, a report on the story that was like heavily biased against trans people in a general sense, and then publishing a, like a transphobic follow-up op-ed. The silver lining of this was at least four trans writers that I know of um, posted on Twitter about being approached by the age to write like a counter op-ed and they all said fuck you, this is not a debate you can't just debate whether or not we deserve to be alive, we refuse to treat it as such uh, go away, I'm not going to write for you, which is a lovely bit of solidarity. Interestingly I, um, in at least one of the well, they did two articles this week as well about some podcast that I think the ABC's done about mental health in young people and about transphobic bullying and about the value of transition. Um, and I was like, oh, that's nice. And then flick two pages later and it's like, we think trans people are fake and criminals. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, aside from the context of this Victorian Greens specifically having a transphobia problem, this obviously comes at a time when trans people are being used as, uh, as, as Tilda put it, as a political football by both major parties in this country. And, you know, 
that trans at a time when trans hatred is like being whipped up by the mainstream media. So, you know, this stuff needs to be fucking addressed. Mm -hmm. There's a bit, you know, a lot of pain and, and betrayal has been expressed by green supporters, you know, especially trans green supporters. So let's talk a little bit about how the greens responded to this. Um, Last week, we actually got a message from uh, an anonymous Greens insider. They, mm -hmm. uh, bef Before the party said anything official about this, this person sent us a message. Noon, would you like to read that quote? Yeah. The outburst from Councillor Leopard is not an isolated incident. There are a number of powerful and vocal members of the Victorian Greens who are trans-exclusionists and transphobic. These members are routinely using green spaces to do things like argue over the definition of the term cisgender, fight against the use of gender-neutral language in our party documents, attempt to block policies aimed at supporting trans women on the grounds that they are advancing the rights of men, and attempt to block action being taken against members who have been found by our own internal processes to have vilified trans people. It's not enough to fight for the trans community inside the parliament. We need to provide them full and safe access to the policy-making and democratic processes, and the Victorian Greens are utterly failing to do that. The policy statements were nice, but as the trans community has told us loud and clear, as has taken a good chunk of our own membership, further action needs to be taken. So, yeah, I think that makes it pretty clear that it's not... this. There are lots of people who are members of the Greens, you know, insiders within the party who, like, have their eyes wide open about this stuff, yep. right? Yep. Um, yeah, in the wake of this sort of... These these comments from from Leopard, like supportive statements are made by like Adam Bant, um, Janet Rice, who's the party's like federal spokesperson on uh, LGBTQ issues, Samantha Ratnam as well, like the leader of the Victorian Greens. But they were all kind of fairly political responses, like you know, and it like being like you know we trans people stand we love and support people. you, we stand yeah. with you, uh, but you know didn't name Leopard or kind of talk about the specific things that were being addressed, um, you know. It was support statements of support from other state branches as well, but you know you're kind of really getting into the area of talk over action here, right? And yeah, this yeah. that that comment from the the inside of it, you know, like it's not enough to fight for them in Parliament. Like the you know Greens policy on this stuff is good by and yeah. large. Yeah, you know, it, it, but this is an internal issue. Yeah, that we're talking about here, and so there's so much. There's only so much that like, you know representatives being like, you know, we stand with trans people. It only goes so far, right? So clearly there's transphobic rot within the Victorian Greens, right? I think it's important to acknowledge, though, that we do have many, like, trans, gender diverse and non-binary comrades who are involved with the Victorian mm -hmm, Greens mm -hmm. and the work that they do and have done on this does need to be recognised. You there know, a like a thread in uh, the Ospol shit posting Facebook group this week about that and about um, what people who are members of the Greens who are in the group feel like they should or can do about it um so if you're in a similar situation listener head on over to the group and um yeah there's some wise words from people there yeah there's a lot of good chat about it and i mean it kind of cuts to the heart of like some pretty fundamental questions about how we choose to engage with politics you know do you try to stick it out with a party who has several people within it who like don't recognize you your identity yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, do you try to change it? You know, like, do you join in an effort to stack the party with people who actually want the right thing? Yeah. You know, these are all questions that are being kind of debated over there. So yeah, I do think it was a helpful. Um, you know, there's there's yeah, lots of helpful chat over there. 
um, if you're interested in these questions. But yeah, a heartening example, I guess, of the of the work being done within the party by people whose heart is in the right place on this on this issue. Um, it was an open letter uh, that was signed by many Greens members, including some who hold official positions. Um, and Noon, I've just uh, got the opening of the letter there for you to read. Yep. We're writing to request that the Australian Greens Victoria make a strong statement of in support of transgender and gender diverse people and commit to taking actions that resolve significant concerns about trans exclusionary influences on the party. Currently, trust in the Greens is being eroded because of the views and talking points that were supported by an elected LGA representative in Melbourne City Council and former members. Uh, so in the wake of that, a few days later, the Victorian Greens put out an official statement about this. Yep. Uh, which again, Nuno, I've clipped just a part of it there for you to read out. In light of recent commentary by Councillor Rohan Leppert, the Victorian Greens reject any suggestion that trans rights should be up for debate. We assure the community and our members that views questioning the identity of trans and gender diverse people and their access to gender affirming healthcare are not representative of the position, policies and values of the Victorian Greens. The Victorian Greens are taking the open letter addressed to us very seriously and will be taking action on the concerns raised. We affirm our ongoing commitment to better supporting our trans, gender diverse and non-binary members. Which is, like, pretty good. Yeah. You know, it's not amazing. It's pretty good. Like, it, the fact that they name Leopard in the opening line, uh -huh. I was impressed with that. I mean, it's kind of sad that that impressed me. Uh, but it did, yeah. Um, you know, because all things are relative, right? And now, basically, what it looks like from the outside is that there are some like very slow internal processes that the Greens have to follow if trying to like sanction someone, right? And that process is secret and not transparent at all. So, mm -hmm. like, you know, I, I mean, I'm not <laughs> an expert on Greens' internal processes. Uh, there are people within the party that I trust who say that there have been, like, important reforms made around these processes. Right. But they also don't have a great history with this stuff. Like, their, you know, internal processes when it comes to, like, dispute resolution have produced some very cooked results in the past. So, I don't know. I'm not in a position to kind of comment on that. Political party is going to political party, right? Totally, like, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and look, it, honestly, I mean, I, I know you're saying, you know, impressed with it, which is sad, but, like, if we compare the the low bar that we touched on earlier today with Clive Palmer being like, we notice you have some rabid anti-Semites near you. And who's like, no, we don't. I was asleep. That wasn't us. Uh, nope. Yeah. And by contrast, this is like, wow, that was us. That is bad. We don't want to do that. We're doing something about it. Yeah. Or like, yeah. you know, the leader of the Labour Party openly saying transphobic stuff right. on the regular in national media, you know, and with just there, there being, being like no, no accountability or conversation no about that yeah. that I've seen. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so yeah, like all things are on a, you know, all things are relative, but on that relative scale, there is, you know, does seem to be some really genuine attempts for accountability here from within the party. But yeah, it seems like it's gonna be a while before there's anything kind of official or material that we can actually talk about in terms of what the results of those processes are going to be. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, yes. And there is the, you know, important point that I think that, you know, Green's policy on this is good. Like the policies are in the right place and at a federal yep. level, you know, w w I mean, this does seem to be fairly localized to the Victorian Greens specifically, right. you know, it's, it's not, a, it's not a federal thing. It's like this, this, like I said, it really seems like there's this click I think maybe it's been dismantled a little bit over the, the past couple of years, or at least its power has diminished, but clearly its roots are kind of still there. 
and it hasn't been properly pulled out yet. Yeah. Uh, and hopefully the Victorian Greens get there because, look, you know, the Greens are supposed to be the fucking alternative to the centre and far-right nonsense, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, to, to the, like, willful, no-holds-barred trans bashing being conducted by the major parties, you know? And I think it's why this shit stings and why people are really, really upset about it. And, and why the Greens really need to fucking do something about it. Um, but, you know, with the, with the kind of information that we have from the people that we know within the party, there are people trying to do the right thing in there. And, you know, I hope for their sake and for the sake of the Greens and for the sake of, like, our trans, non-binary and gender-diverse comrades that they win. Hell yeah. Agreed. Yep. I'm looking forward to... Hopefully, seeing the Greens actually make some meaningful change about it. Mm. Yep. Well, I think that'll probably do it for that story. Um, shall we move on, Noon? Let's finish up. If you want a podcast, you gotta do a lot of shit. That's not technically podcasting. You still gotta do that shit. Uh, you can follow us over on Twitter. You can do so on Instagram and Facebook as well. We'd really appreciate a follow. Uh, the other Brad, thing that you can Ospol do... Snackpod on all Ospol the things. Snackpod on, uh, on, all the, on all the stuff. Um, the other thing you can do that would really help us out is leave us a review. Please, um, we haven't had one for a while. Yeah, it, and like Apple Podcasts can be like fucky with like pu- actually publishing reviews. Sometimes it takes a couple of attempts. So it's like if you've done one, but it's not actually up on the page yet, maybe check in on that. You know, yeah, uh, and give us uh, that five star rating on uh, on Apple Podcasts, and also give and us also that five stars Spotify. Spotify as well. If you want to contribute to the show, you can send us a potluck, record yourself speaking for about a minute into your phone, and email it to us at contact at ospolsnackpod dot com. And uh, please support us on Patreon if you like the show. Uh, we mentioned up top, but if you give us a dollar a month, you can come hang out in our Discord and. Uh, you get a monthly bonus episode, and at higher levels you get other stuff. Uh, it would make us feel good about our life choices. Um, you got anything to plug? Twitch.tv slash Noon Plays Games. Yeah, you can watch me play games. All right. Now it's time for a pop game. What's been happening? I mean, it's been a, a pleasantly uneventful little while with Bagel recently. Uh, Can't relate. <laughs> yeah no i know yeah i mean there's uh, he's been a very cute sweet little boy um he's been calm on walks uh i've been trying to get him used to seeing the cat which it seems won't happen got a nice visit from our old housemate who he hasn't seen in like a year um and they said he That's was very cute very chunky and calm which is an adorable couple of things for your little <laughs> boy to be so, that's what yeah. you want bacon to be yeah that's the, that's the right mode yeah chunky calm mode yeah yeah and Dante, also chunky car mode. No, uh, really? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Came home last night. Holly and I went to the pub. We came home and uh, he'd gotten into our Easter chocolate stash. Um, That's bad for dogs. Yeah, I'm reliably informed by the Oreo commercial that it's not good. Um, and then, it, you know, it's the like sitting around and being like, how long ago did this happen? Does he look sick? Should we take him to the event immediately? Yeah. How many hours is it going to be until we're sober enough to drive? Yep. Blah, blah, blah. You know, and so we had a fairly sleepless night kind of like 
looking after him, him and checking in yeah. on him and stuff. And he seems fine, which is like almost a more annoying outcome. <laughs> Not Didn't that even he would learn, learn anything any- that he right. would get sick, but... <laughs> you would feel like there was some comeuppance. Though, I mean, it would probably also cost you a huge amount. Yeah, so it's, no, this it's is obviously a good option. Yeah. very good that he's fine. He's totally yeah. fine. He just has been letting out absolutely brutal farts all day, and I expect him to shit out quite a lot of foil at yeah, some point. Yeah, yeah, I was wondering yeah. about the foil situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I guess it depends how much he chewed it up before he swallowed it. Judging by his usual MO None. when it comes to food. <laughs> yeah, not much. Yeah. Uh Damn. Yeah. You know, the sort of constant ever evolving joys of, of dog ownership. Wasn't that evolving? It's really the same thing over the and over same again. way, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we like <laughs> You know, uh, I mentioned often on the show that we, like, go out and we forget to put the bins away and we come home and Dante's got into them yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so lately we've been pretty good with that. But our local council area has just introduced a soft plastics recycling thing. Sure, good. So now we've got a third little bin in the kitchen where we put soft plastics which we forgot about when we put the other bins away and we came home and Dante had, like, just gotten into it. was like, and it, what an empty bag of like frozen blueberries, right, an empty right, bag right. that once contained, you know, I don't know, two minute noodles or something. It's like, okay, sure. great. Now there's another bin to put away. It's like, <laughs> it's just <sighs> fucking whack-a-mole with like, okay. Yeah. And what do we have to keep out of reach and locked away? Uh, but you know, yep. he's fine. I- he just got to eat a bunch of chocolate and he also got into his like dried veggie sausage treats jesus christ he had, we, yeah he went on a real rampage yeah. well it's actually i've just remembered we have an, a, a cuck date as well because oh, great. Our, and you cat luthia um very food oriented which is adorable nice. i've been doing a bunch of training with him he Trainable. can sit he can come on command it's adorable he can shake um but the, the cat food is in a cupboard and he will go and like pour the cupboard open so we put rubber bands around the handle so when he pours it goes and he he like meows in frustration because he wants to get through and it seems like he really should be able to but he can't but then he just like tries every like three or four hours i guess (laughs) just like constantly because he's like you know i got eventually fucking one time and rubber bands they break eventually so like he's not wrong this he's is not wrong. exactly pets have all day to get around your security <laughs> yes. measures you know you've do. got shit to do they've right. only got one thing to do <laughs> fuck it up yeah it's a really good point I they stay like focused that. you know yeah, yeah. right you need grind. to multitask okay 100 <laughs> percent of my time and energy and intellectual effort is going into getting this fucking cupboard open and if it's the last fucking thing i do yeah well, it's gonna happen we eventually. Now have hard plastic baby locks. Uh, so hopefully that's take gonna it to do the next it. level. Well, yeah. yeah, it will for for a while until a he figures it out. Yep. Yeah, mm. yeah. No solution is permanent. Is you know, eventually is what I'm like slowly needing to learn it's over very, the course of years. Very Hegelian of you, Zach. Let's finish the show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, next week I'm away, so. Probably, probably not, not a show. Doing a show. Yeah. Probably not a show. Um, but keep your eyes peeled. Keep your ears peeled. Might do something. We might put something out. You never know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but if we don't see you next week, we'll catch you the week after. And until then, keep on snacking in the free world.
being happy brings healthy heart and beauty. Joy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Beauty. Beauty, joy. Yeah. 